Kylie Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Today we are speaking to Nick Shepherd. Nick, tell us about yourself. I'm the Business Development and Partnerships Manager at the Business Growth Hub. The Business Growth Hub works with businesses right across Greater Manchester, providing fully funded business support and development services. Any business, any sector, uh, any size. On the way. I pretty much ran off and I've not pushed you to the side, but I think I pushed you to the side. Not physically. It's like, my soul. I've actually met some of my best mates through work and it's through making friends with people and just getting on with people that you become that person of knowledge. I sat on the floor in my kitchen and I just cried. The cheese on toast is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the way that, that we kind of met um, was we met at a networking event and I came over and had a chat to you. You were just rolling out um, a business growth match, right? And yes. The, the idea of getting people and local businesses together. Um, and we uh, instantly bonded, didn't we, Nick? Funny story. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny story. So we launched Business Growth of Match um, in 2021. Um no, we didn't, 22. Uh, we were losing years with COVID. And we actually ended up launching it um, two years to the day when we actually went into the first lockdown. And it was to encourage businesses that we can come back together again. That online networking was a sticking plaster, but you don't make meaningful relationships through that. Um, so we wanted to be a uh, network for anybody in Greater Manchester to tap into um, for free. So we don't sell sell speaker slots. It's all about um, the businesses that maybe want to access our support, but the primary focus is on um, them growing their networks within that. So I found out about nine months after us knowing each other that the first time I met you at our launch event, that there was so much going on. There was the facilitation, the coordination, the management on the day, and doing all the presentations, that when we tried to speak, I pretty much ran off and... I've not pushed you to the side, but I think I pushed you to the side. Not physically. You were really mean. You were like, yeah, yeah, just go and speak to this other person. I don't have time for it. I'm really sorry. I was like, my soul. (laughs) And you know what? If anything, that taught me that you don't know who you're going to meet at these types of things. And it is difficult on those types of events where maybe we didn't have all the stuff that we needed on, on a launch event. And that was a learning curve for us for future events to make sure that we have the right capacity. But you actually don't know who you're going to meet. And thankfully, you were very patient with me. (laughs) Was it patient or did I just persevere? Like, hey, Nick, hey, Nick, hey, Nick. You are a pest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, it, it does prove that even if you can't speak to someone right, then it's about saying the right thing and making sure people know that or doing it in the follow up to say, look, I'm maybe we can't speak right now and there's enough going on, but let's have a chat afterwards. Yeah. And it is always the hardest thing with, with our networking events. You know, you stand at the front of the room and say, here's what we do. And then you're the person that's in demand at your own events. Yes. And that's why we created it rather than attending everything else that's out there, which we still do, but we wanted to own the event. Um, but then it's like a baptism of fire. Um, having everyone come after you. It's a hard life. <laughs> so you have such a hard life. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm joking aside, though, when we do think about the, the stuff that you do, so we'll kind of start to talk about um, 
the networking and the level of um, social uh, interactions that you do. Um, but let's touch on uh, partnerships for now, because obviously, so I'm a, a partner of um, the Growth Hub, so that I do work with you. Um, but today we're talking about just that importance of partnerships. So in your mind, why? Why is it important? Why do you do it? Why is that your job? So we do. We always look for mutual two-way partnerships between people. So we've got a lot of people reaching out to us that recognise that we sit on the biggest uh, network within Greater Manchester because we're not commercially minded. We're there for the greater good. So a lot of people will reach out to you to say, we've got this amazing thing that we're going to do and this is why you should put it out to our clients. And we would absolutely love to do that to anybody that asks but we would just be that machine that churns out what everyone else is doing. What we want is people that we can work with, that there's mutual benefit, that we also don't just want to take off people. We don't just want to say, yeah, well, can you do X, Y, and Z for us? We want to create a network of people where we know them, they know us, they can be advocates for us and we can be advocates for them as well for the great work which we do. And I think that that's really important um, we brought an application process in for partnerships nearly two years ago now, and it was the best thing which we did. Uh, it allows us to learn about partners, but also make sure they're on the same page as us. Um, and that's with regards to things around social value, um, EDI, environmentalism, um, and just having the same vision for Greater Manchester as well. Yeah. And so you, in terms of partnerships then, it feels like you you almost make sure that you kind of vet all those partnerships. We do, and it's from it's from a sake of some people will use partnerships purely as a lead generation activity. And I've had people ring up and say, where are the leads this month? And it will never be that type of partnership. It's there to support Greater Manchester. If further business comes off the back of that in return for the exposure, then we're more than happy for that, for the platform that we create. But it can't just be... A filtering through and I think that's where the word partnership's key because a partnership is two-way. So you would say that that's what and if we think about it from a like a because we're talking business to business if we think about people in work building those internal partnerships do you think that that's equally important to do? It is um, and funny story behind that so I worked at the Business Growth Hub first for 18 months and then I moved over to um, the tourist board so marketing Manchester which sits within the growth company um, through COVID I came back over to the business growth hub and I applied for a role as business development executive now I got told I was unsuccessful in the application for that um, because apparently I talk too much in the office shock no which and my argument back because they were going to go completely back out to advert because no one from the pool was right and my argument was well does that not mean that i know everything that's going on right across the growth company which is what this job was exactly for and it was actually those internal partnerships that make me know everything that we do like right across the board mm -hmm. so often whilst i don't know all of the answers um, and know where to start looking. And it is from just talking to people and that's the only way. And they're those people in, I always think that you know who that person is, right? Like if you're in an organisation, you know who that person is that knows everything. They almost have like the, um, like the discreet knowledge of 
all the tiny little things. So they'll know the person that sits on reception, but they'll also know the cleaners, they'll know the CEO. It's that kind of relationship where they just have almost like a finger in all the different pies. Um, But the power of that is that they get stuff done. And I imagine that that's very similar with you. You get stuff done. Yeah, I always position myself to anybody as the front door into the growth company for anybody coming outward. Uh, and then anybody looking to explore anything within Greater Manchester, I always position myself as the front door to that. So get a lot of asks, but I do love being in that position. Um, just kind of on internal networks, when I joined the growth company seven years ago, I in the company that I was at previously, I probably got my fingers burnt from being a little bit too immature because I was young in the company that I was in. So I went into the growth company with, I don't need friends, um, I've got enough friends at home. I didn't move to Manchester for work like a lot of people have. So my friends are where I am in Stockport. But you quickly realise that you can't do that. And I've actually met some of my best mates through work. And it's through making friends with people and just getting on with people that you become that person of knowledge. Yeah. And it feels like like you have a very natural ability. You just said yourself, right, that they said, oh, you can't do this job because you talk too much. It feels like you have that very natural ability. And whenever I see you at networking events and and in terms of networking events, you go to a lot of networking events. Um, you have that very natural ability to do that. Um, in terms of networking events, how how do you keep your energy levels up when you have to do them? I'll be honest, and this is something I know we've spoke about before, it is tiring. And I think it is fair to say that, and a lot of business development people that I speak with say that it's tiring, but apparently we're not able to go outwardly and say that because you might get looked down upon. But it is tiring being switched on, yet you love it at the same time. Like, you love the social side. You know, there's, there's a lot of early mornings, late nights, which is so fun. But no matter who you're around, you're always switched on. So... I just make sure that I allow time for myself. And if that means that sometimes Thursdays are quite a busy day for me, so I can be up and around town without a lunch um, all day. And I think it's fair enough to, you can come back at four and think, my, my instinct is to log straight on, but take that time. I just go for a walk around the block. I even just sometimes sit in a dark room for half an hour on my phone and it's okay. Um, because I don't, I don't think anybody until you're in that position will actually realise your social battery is exactly what it is that drains. And it sounds very negative, but you love it at the same time. Yeah. And I think that, firstly, the whole sitting in a dark room, like, resonates so much with me. Um, like, my favourite place in my house is literally bed. Yeah. Right. So sometimes if I've been to one of those kind of social events and you do way more than me, I think that if I did your job, I would just be like a wreck on the floor. Because I think that, like you say, it's that whole social battery. And I can absolutely do that masking for a set amount of time, but it drains my battery massively. And um, we have this thing in our house where uh, I'll, if I've gone to a networking event, I'll come back and we'll be talking about things. And uh, Ali, my husband, will just say, you've got that look on your face. And I'll literally say to him, I have no more words. And when I have no more words, that's when I just take myself off. Like you say, 
dark room, bed, 30 minutes recharge, and then I can come back down and be like, okay, I can be a human again. So with the number of networking events that you're doing, like how do you, how often do you find that you have to do the recharge? It's a regular occurrence and I think it's about learning about yourself and I'm very much about that. So stepping back sometimes, let's say you've reached the end of a really stressful week and you are completely up to the top with it. And then just stepping back and thinking, well, why did that happen? Let me look at this. Did I do too much? Could I have said no to things? I remember back in April, I had a week of it and finished on a Friday uh, my friend turned up to drop something off at the same time as my partner turned up to go out for this family party in the evening. And the last thing I wanted to do after that week was socialise. And I was still in a blur from work. And then there was just so much going on all at once. And do you know when people try and cheer you up more? And I just had to say, leave me alone. I'm not having a go. Leave me alone. Um, and I, d- I didn't have that break to just take that half an hour because it was like get changed get out again so it's maybe looking at those types of weeks and thinking could I give myself an hour could I say no to things I think in a world where a lot of us work hybrid now those conversations that you might have in the office in passing compared to somebody just not even dropping you a message first and just saying like calling you on teams out of the blue and popping up because sometimes I can look at my diary and think, oh, I've got a completely clear day. And then it's call after call after call, which is fine. But I think there needs to be a lot more acceptance of putting the phone down and saying, no, sorry, that doesn't work for me right now and that being okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it doesn't help when I send you multiple voice notes on uh, WhatsApp either. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I think it's like we said about learning about yourself. That's what works for me. So I know that if I'm in transit between meetings, the easiest thing for me to do is actually hear your voice note, send a really hasty reply whilst I'm like panting and breathing down Market Street. But that's what works. And that's what I'm saying to more and more people. um, Like, call me. Like, let's, you know, in between meetings, it's so much easier. I am a slight squirrel and it's making me laugh because the first time that you called me, you were driving and I was driving and I didn't answer the phone. And then when I phoned you back, what were you listening to? Do you remember what you were listening to on the radio? I can't, but I remember it was a... You were listening to like the cause. Oh, yeah. And I was listening. You were like, oh, what were you listening to? And I was like, Eminem. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and it felt like such a bizarre, like, it felt like such a distance between the two things that we were listening to as we were in the car driving. It just made me giggle. Well, my phone goes from Will Young to 50 Cent in two songs. So. <laughs> I absolutely, my guilty, we're squirreling now. Guilty, guilty pleasure when I'm in the car by myself. 2000s R&B in garage. Oh, <laughs> Cannot get enough of it. So, yeah, obsessed with it. Um, not that anyone needs to know that. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> so you talked about kind of like social battery. You talked about saying no. How often do you say no? Not enough. And you know this. <laughs> because I, I enjoy it. And that is that is my problem, that it's not actually an issue to go to these things because that is what I love doing most, is getting out and seeing people. Um, but I do need to learn to say no more. I um, I think that's something that 
both of us share that kind of the the enjoyment of being in the space I think we we enjoy it from different places so yours comes from I think that social side of it mine comes from a um I guess it comes from like a competition side of it like let's go and meet people and see how many people we can do this and you know see how many people that we can talk to um but my I think my social battery like really quickly depletes um do you want to hear a really sad story yes is it sad? I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a sad story. Um, so my, I'm, I am genuinely terrible at saying no. You look at my calendar and there's just so much in it. And we, we know this from um, recording podcasts and then going and doing 4pm to 8pms. Like, I don't like to say no. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went out with a group that I call the City Mums. They'll know who they are. <laughs> Essentially, a group of women that were thrown together when we all had a child at the same age. Right, because obviously that's how you meet friends. Yummy mummies. Yeah, <laughs> yummy mummies. <laughs> and um, I went out with them, and we went for some food, and we had some wine, and it was just, it was just a probably maybe like five or six hours, and I went back home, and it was great, and the energy was great, and I was cooking myself something to eat, cheese on toast, and it went wrong, and. When I say it went wrong, it just wasn't the same as my granddad made cheese on toast. So it's like cheese and then a tomato on it, but white pepper. White pepper is really important. And it went wrong. And I was so socially exhausted that I couldn't deal with this very small thing. And I turned the oven off and I closed the lid and I sat on the floor in my kitchen <laughs> and I just cried. And my husband, Ali, came in and he was like, what are you doing? And I was sat cross-legged with mascara coming down my face, sobbing like, the cheese on toast is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and now when I look back at it, I think that's so, so, it's such a, it was such a trigger and such a small thing. And that's how I know when my social battery is just complete, like so depleted. What do you does that resonate? Like, what's your trigger? What's that thing that you just go, right, I know I need to I need to stop. Do you sit on the floor sobbing while your mascara is running? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's going for a walk. I'd love to say going to the gym, but, you know, when you're in that headspace, it's so hard to drag yourself there, even though it was the best thing ever. And there's a lot of times when I've just walked out, slammed the front door, and I'm just, like, there with my earphones in with the cause. Um... <laughs> But that's for me, or giving someone a call. I know the okay. people that I can ring and say whatever to, and sometimes they can rationalise it. It's not those people that can say, oh, you're being stupid, because there's nothing worse than those types of people. And those that know enough about work that you can kind of offload to them, like from, from outside of work. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time it is just keeping yourself to yourself and all of a sudden you don't realise how quickly things change mm. uh, and then my other th my other thing is sometimes just going for a nap <laughs> yes I like even for half an hour just closing your eyes and then you're like okay there's not enough opportunities in no. life for naps I feel yeah I can see uh, producer Liam nodding out of the uh, the corner of my eye he's <laughs> like yes nap um, you touched on something that actually got me thinking because with your partnerships, your partnerships very uh, easily can become friendships. 
how do you manage with that blurred line, like the blurred lines between that? Because we do do a lot of, your partnerships are a lot of socialising. How do you manage that that blurring of the lines? Or do you, is it a thing or not? So I, I do feel like I'm a very good judge of character and good judge of people. Um, so you can be on different levels with different people. And I feel like you've got to have that ability that it isn't just a one size fits all, that you can't be this person that bounces around and it's just the same with everyone. So let's take an instance, you know what I'm going to say? No. Oh, at the beginning <laughs> of the year when a certain somebody flicked your <gasps> forehead. Yes. Oh my gosh. But they were the same with every person that they met. And you know, some people might have found that funny. And that, not a lot. But you don't know certain people and you need to take the time to know people before you can realise like, what kind of level you can be with people. I am very much of the mindset of people buy off people. So, you know, the more you get to know somebody, and a, a lot of the reason why we do so much, a lot of the activity which we do, so we've done volunteer days, we get together for social events, um we do kind of coffee mornings it's so we can keep up to date with what we're all doing a lot of the people in the network all have the same ambitions which so is about you working together as well and seeing what we can do as a collective but it's also just getting to know each other as people because it makes all the activity so much more organic than always going to a meeting structured there needs to be an outcome at the end yeah you, and i think that's how i view networking as well yeah you're um you're gonna people are gonna want to know about Flickgate. you're gonna have to tell the story of Flickgate. So it was at one of our, uh, one event that we were at, um, we, well, I left you having a conversation with a certain somebody. I came over to join and then they thought it'd be funny to flick you in the forehead. And I could see straight away that it was like, no. And they went to do it again and you, I think you would have dragged them outside. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it's really funny because lots of people, um, even now, right, that will refer back to that. And I remember it being a thing and just saying to them, stop, I do not do that. And, but that was the end of it. Whereas I feel like other people now, they're like, oh, do you remember that time? Mm. And it's almost more, I felt like at the time you reacted a bit more to it than I did. Like it was completely unacceptable. I think it was because it was our event and, you know, you've got this safeguarding of all of the partners to make sure that, you know, the relationships that you have with them aren't damaged and that's kind of not okay. But interestingly enough, um, the place that I was at before the growth company, like I said, I was young and immature before. um, I left there, um, I could say being like, I was just young in a corporate environment that probably wasn't the environment that I could thrive in. And I went away. They probably had a bad impression of me. And I now work really, really close with them and we've got a really good relationship. And I think it's being able to step back and recognise and accept that, yeah, you make some mistakes sometimes, but that doesn't mean that you can't get better. Yeah. Um, It is difficult. Like, you're allowed to be young, and I've seen it in other people as well. I sound like the old granddad now at 28. But you see (laughs) it in people. back in my day. And you literally think, you'll learn, but it's okay to, yeah, to make mistakes. Yeah. And I think, well, so one of the key points is don't flick people in the face. Yes. Um, (laughs) You 
I, again, I, so I spend, I'm not, I don't spend a lot of time with you, but I spend, spend a fair bit of time with you. And it feels like you do networking, partnerships. Um, you're a bit of a super connector. You do these things quite easily, it looks like. Um, do you have strategies and do you have advice for people who are maybe not as outgoing, maybe introverts that struggle with the, hi, I'm here, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm i probably of the mindset of just jump in and do it. Um, it does take time to build networks. And I think you need to allow and understand that it's not going to happen in six months. It's not going to happen in a year. It is such a slow burning process. And if I said to you, what's LinkedIn? What what would you say? How would you describe LinkedIn? It's a social media platform. I, I yeah, It's Facebook for business. Yeah. It's... You allow you being friends with everybody, but ha- with a professional head on. So let's be honest. When we all got LinkedIn, we all thought, "What the hell is this?" Didn't post because you shot into an empty room. You connected with all the people at your work, and at the time, you think, "Well, what's the value in this?" But as you move on and you grow and you meet people and you move on jobs, that grows and grows and grows, and you have more to say you realise more about yourself. And I'm not, I won't use the phrase personal brand because I can't stand that, but it's it's what are your passions? What do you post about? Yeah. And all of a sudden you kind of step back and you realise all of these people that I've collected along the way um, are there and they're there to be useful to each other. And I think the key with it all is authenticity because there's a lot of people that you can meet at networking events and you can see, right, networking hat on. And they're so sales, sales, sales. Mm. And there's plenty of organisations that say, how many business cards did you get after that event? If you're going to go in it with that mindset, you will struggle to get meaningful relationships. Um, I think there's also a tendency to go into a networking event and see the most important in the person in the room and think, oh my God, I need to be aligned with them. Be in the same circles, try and get alongside some of the same people to work your way there. Get introductions from people that you can see working with them. And eventually things will just land. I I do think a slow and steady approach rather than being, I say annoyance, but I think sometimes that's the way it can be, where you can just see somebody bouncing around is the better and more strategic way to do it. Okay. Um, I'll use an example in that one of the businesses when I was um, a business development exec at the Growth Hub, wanted to get in touch with them. Um, They weren't replying to any of the emails. Um, So I actually looked at their address and where they were and they were located in a co-working space where I had a relationship. So I rang up the front desk and said, can you just go into this office, say you know who we are, say you know you can vouch for what we do, and they called me back within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's those types of asking so it relationships. Like be authentic, be patient, and then also use, I guess, use the other networks that are around you. Yeah, so I, I always say to the team, I'm like, do you spend the time going after 10 people or do you spend the time going after that one person that can introduce you to 10 much warmer? Yeah. And my team has grown relatively recently. It's a newly developed team. And I said to my colleague who started, I said, 
you need to take the time to put the groundwork in and I will allow you to do this. So targets tapered up over the six months so that they could be allowed to do that. And six months in, and there's still a, a lot more room to grow, things are landing and things are making sense and they've recognised that. They've said, I'm so grateful that you kind of gave me the time and I said, if you're going to run a sales function on instant results all the time, you're not going to get much meaningful and I think that's a really that's a really powerful thing, but like a really great place to stop as well. Like the patience and the time. And it's not you can't magic partnerships. Um it has to be your authentic self and you have to have to have the time on them. So I appreciate it. Nick, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It has been enlightening. It's been illuminating. <laughs> like a light bulb. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Nick as much as I did. Um, it's always great when you've got someone who you share a real connection with. And I feel like with Nick, I, I do. And I'm sure you've got someone that you share that connection with as well. Um, in terms of my light bulb moments from the session, I think my biggest light bulb moment today was, um, it was about time and patience and just allowing those partnerships to evolve rather than just trying to force them so if you're taking something away today it is go and do some partnerships but know that they might not be straight away toodles